church in the Wildwood. You know, we were talking about the unfortunate situation in the church age today where church is de-emphasized, and, and she was playing that song. Uh, certainly reminds us, just a nice little song to remind us of the blessings of what a church ought to be, amen? And, uh, you know, if you just I just want to encourage you, be a part of a body of believers. I tell you, it's, uh, it's just God's way. It's how he grows us. And uh, there's so many blessings uh, connected uh, to the church family. So get, 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 uh, be a part of church family. Join and get busy and serve the Lord. And, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And one day when you're, you're old, if the Lord tarries, uh, you'll have some wonderful memories to think about uh, through uh, what God's done. Amen. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 12. We'll get to the text in just a moment. I have a few little things I want to say first. But Matthew chapter 12. And I want to preach to you this morning. Uh, I've been preaching some salvation messages. Uh, uh, we didn't last week, but this morning I want to preach another salvation message, but also an encouraging message for those of us that are saved. And we're talking about the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. Now I say accomplished. I think Brother Brad's probably got it up here. So you see the ED on the end. We're talking about something that God has already accomplished. This is something that God's already done uh, for mortal man. And uh, so the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, and in our text, we're really going to explore some things and see that Christ certainly is the chosen servant of God. And uh, that word servant, we're really going to dwell on uh, throughout this message. Um, Christ, uh, he did not come to this earth the first time. He came as a babe. He didn't come to the earth the first time to conquer. Christ came to be the servant of God. And that's pretty hard to get a hold of and to understand when we think about who God is. And let me say this, too, about Jesus Christ the man. No one has ever walked or ever will walk as humbly as Christ did on this earth. Now, we never want to make the mistake to think that being humble is a sign of weakness. Amen. Uh, don't ever get the wrong idea about our Lord and Savior being weak. Uh, if you study the life of Christ in knowing that he is God, yet 100% man as well. The work of that servant that he did as God, as a man, was a great work. As a matter of fact, I believe to date it is the greatest work ever accomplished. And um, that's not done because of weakness, amen? Yet the Father, that is God the Father, trusted God the Son to do this great work of redeeming man to himself. Um, and the Son did it, not like we might think, but he did it not by uplifting himself. He did not come with loud noise. He did not come with forceful actions. But he did the greatest work ever accomplished by submitting himself to the will of the Father. And what an amazing thought that is. For if Christ, here's the thing to think about, and we'll, we'll dissect this a little bit more here in just a moment. But let me just say by way of introduction, if Christ would have came first to conquer and judge, and by the way, there will come a day when that happens. But if Christ would have came the first time to conquer and to judge, mankind would have not stood a chance. In other words, man is so fragile uh, that it would have totally destroyed mankind. And we're going to see as we look at some Old Testament scriptures found in the New Testament, but we're going to see that man, when it comes to his need for the gospel, when it comes to the need for salvation... He is like a bruised reed. We might think of, a, you know, the, the reeds that grow up in a pond or have you. 
uh, uh, not broken, but, but bruised, in other words, wounded and weak, very fragile. Uh, we're going to look at a smoking flax, and, and we'll talk about that, but man is, is dimming. He's, he's, he's just, a, just a small little glow, and the slightest little breeze would, would snuff him out. That's man's condition uh, when it comes to salvation. So Christ first came, and he had to come that way with humility and compassion. Because if he had come any other way, that bruised reed would have been broken, and that smoking flax would have been snuffed out. But because God loves us, he came as a servant, and the work of Christ was that of a servant, and all for the benefit, not for good men, but bad men, for sinful men. Amen? And that ought to be something that really should speak to our hearts uh, this morning. So stand with me, if you will, if you're physically able. If you're not physically able, I'll sure understand that. But Matthew chapter 12, verse 18, just a few verses, and then you can be seated again. So we're looking at the accomplished work, that is work that's already been done by Jesus Christ. Look there at uh, verse 18, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew 12, verse 18. And we have here uh, a, a section of Scripture that we find in the book of Isaiah that was some 700 years before Christ would come. But here's what it says, Behold my servant talking about Jesus, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall shew judgment to the Gentiles. We'll look at that word judgment here in just a moment. Verse 19, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And his name shall the Gentiles, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching, teaching of the word of God this morning. Father, I hope and pray as we prayed already that you'll speak to each and every one of our hearts, including mine. Father, help us to leave here today with something, Lord, that we didn't have when we came in. Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. I want to jump right into this. We've got several things going on this morning. But number one, Jesus accomplished, in other words, already done his work with justice. And we see that word uh, judgment in verse 18. Now, you always have to be careful with words in the Bible. And, and uh, for the most part, you can read them for what they are and, and certainly understand the Bible. You don't have to be a, a theologian to understand what God teaches. But sometimes there are words in the Bible that may mean a little something different than what we, we may think. In other words, judgment here is really talking about justice. And certainly judgment is necessary when it comes to justice. I, I think we would all understand that. But, but the word that might help us to understand it better this morning is we're really talking about justice. What does justice mean? Now, not what we think it might mean, but, but what, biblically speaking, what does, what does justice mean? Uh, and really, it, it's got a two-part meaning here. And it's really very simple, and you'll kind of recognize this phrase because Jesus was once asked what the great commandment was, and he actually gave two commandments. Most of you may know what those are. But, but when it comes to justice, it means doing right towards God and doing right towards others. You know, you do those two things, and you're, you're, that's justice, amen? When you do right towards God and you do right towards others, when you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you treat your neighbor as yourself, hey, listen, you're living out justice, amen? If we do that, then there'll be no problems, right? 
Amen. Uh, now we don't always get that; don't always happen, right? But that's what justice is talking about. So man certainly we cannot, you know, we we fail in a lot of areas, but man is to live right. You say, well, how do we live right? Well, you live right by doing right. It's very simple. Uh, and Jesus Christ came to show the world how to live, not just to live, but how to do right. And certainly he set that wonderful example of what it is to truly be Christ-like. And by the way, that's why we know we're sinners, because we all fall way short of that, amen? So how does this connect, though, with justice? Well, again, true justice, you know, when we think of justice, what do we think? We think punishment. I want some justice. I want, hey, listen, somebody's going to have to pay. That's how we see justice. If one is just, though, in what we're learning here, really we're just talking about living a, a righteous life. It's not just about vengeance and payback and, and retribution. Listen, if somebody is right with God and they're right with others, he's going to do right with God and he's going to do right with others. That's really the, the epitome of justice, amen? And it's something we all should strive for. What, you know, how do we deal justly with others? Again, Christ shows us the way as we study the life of Christ. Jesus didn't just show man uh, the right way to live, but even more than that, he, he reaches out to whosoever, that is every person that wants to be saved, that chooses to be saved, he, he reaches out to help them live in the right way, amen? And we think of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's another message. But this is important to understand because this is really justice in its purest form. And I think that's important. This is justice, again, we think of Christ the man, justice fulfilled. This is justice realized. This is justice in action. What a tremendous thought that is. Jesus Christ wants to, to give justice to all people, but he's not talking about vengeance. He wants them to live a, live a just life. Listen, believer, non-believer, listen, God wants you to live the right way. Amen. And that's justice. And he's provided a way in which sinners like you and me can do that, as we sang there a while ago at the cross. You know, we need to understand that, that uh, unlike what some people believe, that, that uh, God didn't die for everyone. I believe the Bible teaches that Jesus died for everyone. Amen. I don't believe the door of salvation in this age of grace in which you and I live in today is shut on anyone right now. I believe whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, will, shall be saved. I believe what God says, amen. Let God be true and every other man a liar. But we are apt, as human beings, uh, to quickly close the book on some people, aren't we? I'm done! <laughs> but Jesus accomplished his work, again, by offering justice to every person, whether they accept him or not. And I might ask you this morning, maybe you're downtrodden this morning, maybe you're troubled about things. Maybe you've burnt some bridges, boy, I know all about that. Maybe you've made some bad decisions, boy, I know all about that too. Maybe you're not living right for God, I know all about that as well. Maybe you're not right with God, maybe you're not right with other people. Again, I, hey, I'm a human being, I think all of us have been alive for a while. We, hey, we, we know how that feels, we know what that is. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying embrace the justice of God. Get right with God, get right with other people, amen? That's true justice. Uh, let him lead you in that way to live. That's, that's justice in its purest form. It's not about 
revenge. It's not about getting your way. It's not even hearing about uh, somebody telling you that they're sorry. Get right with God and you'll get right with people. Amen. That's justice. And that'll bring a lot of happiness in your life. Because I will say this, and we'll get back to this point in just a moment, but let me say this. There will be a day when the justice of God will certainly mean something different than it does today. And we'll visit that here in just a moment. Number two, Jesus accomplished his work with humility. Let's get back to humility. Uh, chapter 12, verse 19, talking about Jesus. And again, this was told some 700 years before he actually walked this earth. But it says uh, uh, there in verse 19, he says, He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. Did Christ come looking and acting like a king? No, he didn't come looking and acting like a king, did he? Uh, uh, he was and still is king of kings, amen. Would anybody doubt that Jesus is not Lord of, the Lord, Lord of Lords? Hey, he, he was then, he still is today. Hey, listen, did Jesus come have an axe to grind? If anybody ever had an axe to grind, it would be God, amen. But did he have an axe to grind? Did he have some things to set right? Could he have called all the world's leaders together and set them down? He says, I'm going to tell you all something. This is the way it's going to be. I am God, and you're going to listen to me. He could have, I suppose, but he didn't, did he? He came as a lowly lamb, a, a humble, again, that word servant. I, I suppose that Jesus could, and someday he will, he will stand on top of the world and with a voice that would reach to every corner of the earth and beyond, proclaim, be still and know that I am God. Jesus could have done that, but he didn't. He could have come that way, but instead he came with humility. And with humility and the conduct of a lowly servant, he was able to conquer death hell and the grave he conquered sin that is the accomplished work of jesus christ on our behalf this morning and that ought to do something to you this morning jesus would win the souls of men by loving them amen loving the unlovable as a matter of fact the bible says the only reason we love him is because he loved us first if God did not love us, we would not love Him. He initiates everything. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. And He win men, the souls of men, women, boys, and girls, and still does the same thing today by loving them. He did not save by force, but humbly denying Himself, giving His life a ransom for something that He did not do. It tells us again in that wonderful prophet Isaiah some 700 years before talking about Jesus looking ahead through the prophetic time. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The Bible tells us, reveals to us, Jesus said, I could call down a whole legions of angels to keep me from going through this but he said not my will but thy will that is God's will be done humility listen ought to be found in the life of every believer this morning Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3 talking about or verse 4 that a, a, a meek and mild spirit in the sight of God is, a, is of a great price 
it's valuable to God that we, we be humble, that we show humility. Again, Jesus accomplished his work with humility. And if we're to accomplish our work that he has given us to do, we too have to do it with humility. Amen. Number three, Jesus accomplished his work with encouragement. We read this wonderful verse. What a, what a great word picture. A bruised reed, verse 20. Matthew 12, verse 20. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. What a great verse. What a sweet verse, considering our Savior. Again, spoken some 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. And this verse really is really the, the main thrust of the message this morning concerning our servant Savior, if you will. So I want to break this down a little bit. I've already talked a little bit about it. What's a bruised reed? It's a reed that is injured. It's not broken, but it's certainly bruised. It's fragile. It would take very little to do it in. A smoking flax. We might think of today of a candle that's almost burnt out, just, just a little bit of wax left on it, just a little small piece of the wick. It's just a, it's not even, not even a glow. It's just the smallest ember you can think of. It's certainly not a flame, but, a, but an ember that would only take a little bit to extinguish it. Listen, hey, God, man is not just lost. Listen, when a person gets saved, we're not talking about changing our lifestyle. We're not, change, we're not talking about just simply going, well, I'm going to try this a little bit, see if it brings happiness in my life. Hey, listen, man is lost, but he is desperately, hopelessly lost. Amen. So, th hey, this, this goes beyond just changing your lifestyle. This is being saved, amen. And that is the condition of every lost person that is alive today. Listen, they are on the brink. They are on the, the cusp of eternal damnation. And the slightest judgment of God is all that it will take. But praise be to God, we're in this age of grace that you and I live in today. And we have a, a humble servant. Because it would only take a little to, to, to break that reed, to extinguish that, that smoking flax. And that's the condition of fallen man on the verge, I say again, of total destruction. And we think about when Christ came the first time. Knowing the condition of man, if he were to have come any other way, then when the first way that he came, man would have never stood a chance. Amen. The bruised reed certainly would have been broken instantly and the smoke and flax put out. But instead, Christ came to encourage, not to destroy. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, amen, that he didn't come as a judge, he came as a servant. He came not to cast away, but to gather up. And not just to gather up, but to gather up gently and, and tenderly. Matthew 20, 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a, life a ransom for many. Amen. This is how Jesus accomplished his work. And he did it with encouragement. He did it with love. He did it with humility. And if you're here and you're lost this morning, I want you to understand that Jesus loves you and he does not desire to destroy you in your sin. He has died to save you from your sin. Amen? Because he loves us. That's his motivation. We see there at the last part of verse 20, he says, Till he send forth judgment, he... Uh, a bruised reed shall he not break, smoke and flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. 
someday justice will triumph in the world. Amen? There are a lot of things that are unfair in this world today. You know, we, we could just, I mean, we could spend all day talking about things we don't like. Amen? Just in America, not, not, you know, not to mention the whole world. <laughs> but do you know there's going to come a day, I'm not saying everybody gets saved, but there is going to come a day on this very planet when all hearts are going to be turned towards God. You know, so many people were trying to, boy, if we just had world peace, let me tell you something, world peace will never come until God sits on his throne ruling and reigning, amen? That's the only time it's going to come. Man's been trying to have world peace since man's been on the face of the earth, and we're only getting worse, we're not getting better. Amen? But someday, justice, as we talked about what justice really is, it will triumph in the world. There'll be a day when all hearts are turned towards God. There's coming a day when men will do right because they are right with God. And when you're right with God, you're right with people. Amen. There's coming a day when there'll be no more bloodshed, innocent wars, no more pain, no more crushed feelings, no more anxiety, no more worry, no more sickness, no more disease, whatever you just want to plug in there. Amen. Woo! There's coming a day when that's going to happen. And I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I hope that you're saved today. We're not there yet, but it's coming. There's coming a day when all those in Christ will be perfected. And I've explained that, and I'm going to go into all that, but just simply complete. That is saved. We're talking about being saved from the very presence, being saved from the very power of sin. That day is coming when sin will no longer reign in our bodies. Jesus will accomplish the victory. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's about all I got some days. <laughs> sometimes I feel defeated. Sometimes I fail so miserably, but I know I'm on the winning side. Amen. And I know someday everything's going to be right. So Jesus has accomplished his work with justice, with humility, with encouragement, with victory. Number five, Jesus accomplished his work with hope. And we understand that biblical hope is not, well, I hope this happens. It may or may not. Biblical hope is a guarantee. Verse 21, in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Very quickly, let me just say this. I'm not going to be able to develop these points for time's sake. Jesus accomplishes work with hope. God desires that men put their hope in Christ. A lot of people put their hope in a lot of different things today. But listen, if it isn't in Christ, you've got your hope in the wrong thing. The hope of Jesus isn't like any other hope. It's a guarantee, amen. Praise the Lord. By the way, that hope is offered to all people today. He's not a respecter of persons. It matters not who or what you are. It matters not what you've done in the past. Uh, listen, anybody can have this hope. God offers it to all. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He offers it to anyone. And all it takes is faith. You say, what do you believe mean faith? I'm just talking about believing, accepting that hope. We sing that song, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And certainly that's true. And there's a lot of Bible to back that up. But for time's sake, we're going to jump on here to the end as we get ready for uh, our baptism here in just a moment. So here's my, my, I'm done. Here's my conclusion. Jesus came the first time. Amen. We'll be celebrating Christmas before you know it. That's what that's all about. Jesus coming as a babe. He came as a servant. He came humble. He came as a lamb. But Jesus is coming a second time. Sometimes we talk about the second coming of Christ. I've been teaching on that, preaching on it a little bit here and there. 
He came first to offer justice to all in the way that we describe. And now listen, the second time he comes, he is coming to judge all. Now we are talking about judge, how we're used to understanding what the word judge means. He came the first time with humility, but he'll come again the next time with eyes like flames of fire. The Bible says on his head will be many crowns. He'll be clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, not his. And out of his mouth will come a two-edged sword to smite and destroy. The Bible says that he will rule with a rod of iron. He will treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm just trying to get you to understand that there's going to be different when Jesus comes back the second time. Justice and judgment will be seen in a different way. He came the first time to encourage. He came the first time to literally die for your sin. The second time he comes, he will break the bruised reed. He will quench the smoking flax. That is those who have not called upon him. The first time he came, he, he came to accomplish the victory of salvation for whosoever will. Praise the Lord, he did. But his second coming will be whosoever was not found in the book of life. Will be cast into outer darkness. The first time he came, he brought hope to all mankind. The second time he come, he will say to many, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Big difference. The battle for the souls of men has already been won. You know, that's the sad thing about it. Is people, when they die without Christ, step off into eternity. They didn't have to. Their debt had already been paid. And belief was the only thing that kept them from it. How sad it is. Now here's my plea to you. It's not my plea. I believe it's God's plea. If you're not saved this morning, won't you come and kneel before the Savior today? See, right now, we have the humble, humble servant of God. That's the Lord we serve right now. He's ascended back to the right hand of God. But he is the humble servant of God. I'm saying let him cleanse you. Let him, in other words, be forgiven of your sin today. He has promised, and that promise is still going on right now. Jesus has not come back yet. The promise is a bruised reed is in need of healing. A smoking flax is in need of being rekindled. And Jesus Christ is waiting right now to do that if you're not saved this Amen. Some of you are dozing off on me here. Stay with me. We're almost done. The battle for souls of men have already been won by Christ. I'm saying don't wait to face him later. Here's the thing. I believe the Savior very soon, I think, is going to return as judge. I, I, I'm saying 